wild night last night, and not necessarily in the sports world, but mid-Missouri, where I live, got hit by a couple tornadoes. And it was one of the most intense thunderstorms I've ever seen in my entire life. And the Midwest kids always give me a hard time about how soft I am when it comes to the storms and the weather. And I'm used to 75 and sunny the whole year. But last night was really intense. And I'm going to head to the news station after this recording. And I'm going to be on Stormwatch for the rest of the day. I'll be going and covering uh, different stories about power lines that went down, hotels that got hit. And it was a crazy night. Didn't sleep all that well. Just just the that spookiness that's in the air with those storms. I guess the only benefit was that I was able to kind of think about some things I wanted to talk about on the podcast. So I have two parts of this podcast that I want to get to, okay? Number one is boxing. And I'm not going to make this a, a fight night podcast. Uh, episode or podcast, but I will break down Deontay Wilder for about 15 minutes. At least that's my expectation. And then after that, I'm going to assess the San Diego Padres at the quarter mark of the season. I gave a little bit of a preview leading into the season. I've been doing a lot of series recaps on Twitter and my YouTube page. Uh, Please go and subscribe, by the way. So yeah, so we'll start with boxing, and then we will, we will adapt, adjust, and we'll move into the Padres at the quarter mark of the season. So, without further ado, live from downtown, thunderous, stormy, Columbia, Missouri, So the talk of the of the fight world from this last weekend, Deontay Wilder has his first match since the the epic twelve round battle against Tyson Fury that ended in that that draw. He's taken on a guy, uh, Brazil, and Brazil went. And I think I believe I talked about this with Alabama Al when he was on the podcast two episodes ago, and I specifically said Joshua took him out in seven rounds. I suspect he will be no match. He was no match for Joshua. I suspect he will be no match for Brazil. It turned out I was correct. But leading up to the fight is probably where this fight got most of the attention, actually. Before the fight, Deontay Wilder talked about how this fight's different for him. How this was personal. How this fight really meant something. It was dark. It was personal. It was, it was hatred-filled. And he said, it is within my right, and I want to exercise my right, that if I hit someone hard enough, I can legally kill a man inside this ring. It is one of the sharpest, edgiest statements you're going to hear. 
And let's remember, you know, while this is a bold statement, we have two sides working at play here. Two different sides. And the first one is he's trying to sell a fight. And we've seen this, oh my God, I mean, we've seen this over and over, and it seems that in this age of social media, even more so than in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, that those few brief clips where you're able to talk trash, it's going to explode. It's going to pop off. It's going to catch a wave. And Deontay Wilder's trying to sell a fight. That's what he's trying to do. He wants to make money. He wants people to tune in. <laughs> and, I mean, when a guy talks about wanting to kill a man inside the ring, I mean, how would you not want to tune in? This is a story as old as time. We've seen this over and over, whether it's of recent Conor McGregor throwing a dolly through a bus to sell a fight. To sell a fight, to get people to tune in. They go to extreme lengths. Whether it's Floyd Mayweather talking his trash, saying, you know what? I eat candy, I eat pizza, I drink soda, I hang out at strip clubs all day long. And I will whoop any man that comes my way. All I need is six weeks. All I need is six weeks. Six weeks and I got him. That was the infamous Floyd Mayweather trash talk. I eat pizza, I eat candy, I drink soda, and I go to strip clubs. And all I need is six weeks to beat your ass. So guys, you know, they would go to different lengths. It comes in different shapes and sizes. But they are trying to sell a fight. So one, I'm not sure if he truly, truly believes that. Does he really want to kill a man? I'm not sure. I think probably only Deontay Wilder and a few close people around him would know the answer to that. And then the second part of this is intimidation, right? Trying to get in the head of the opponent. This is mental warfare. The fight occurs on one night, and that's what makes this sport so special. And really, sports in general. A team can be better than you. An opponent can be better than you. All that matters, though, is when it comes to fight night. Who is better in that one hour inside that squared circle? Who's better? In that, in that brief moment in time, what's the, the famous miracle quote? They might beat us nine times out of ten, 99 times out of 100, but not tonight. And that's what makes this sport special. But it makes favorites like Deontay Wilder stay on their toes. So Deontay Wilder's playing head games with Dominic Brazil. He, this, is, this is savagery. And I wonder how much of an impact it played. Now, a lot of times in boxing or in MMA or in the fight game or I guess in other sports in general, many times a match can be won before even the start of the fight. Probably, most notably, Conor McGregor taking on Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo was pound for pound one of the best. 
one of the best 145 pound for pound best UFC MMA fighters in the world. He went some insane statistics six, seven, eight years in a row without losing a fight in his division. You know, McGregor rises up, becomes more and more popular. And eventually, they're, they're slated to fight. And McGregor says, you know what, I'll, I'll just take him in Brazil. I'll take him in his home country. And it was so clear that McGregor got in his head. The trash talk, uh, speaking in Portuguese, making fun of him in front of his home town, his, his heritage, his, his own people. And that fight was won before it started. And I wonder if that was the case this weekend. Because Deontay Wilder talks about wanting to kill a man. And, and in the first round, only two minutes into this fight, he nearly does so. He tees it up. And, and I'll get briefly technical here. So what he does is he sets up the right hand. Everyone knows that the right hand is Deontay Wilder's, the power punch. It's a thing that ends. This could end wars, this power punch from the right side. And Deontay Wilder you know, uses his left hand to judge the distance of how far away Brazil is and almost to hold his head in place so that he can land that right hand. That punch does not work against Tyson Fury. I do not believe it works against Anthony Joshua. But against perhaps a lesser opponent, it does. And Brazil paid the price. In one of the most ruthless, savage, brutal, one-punch knockouts I have seen, man, I don't know, a couple years, five years, ten years, it sounded like a, a, an absolute gunshot through the TV. But that doesn't work against the elite of the elite. And if Wilder's got the skills to just capture this massive audience, right? Joshua and, and Wilder, those are, or excuse me, Joshua Fury, those are the UK boys. Their demographic is sold. They're going to be the anti-Americans. This is boxing. This is how it is sold. And I think as of right now, and this is one of the points that I really want to highlight, Deontay Wilder is acting like one of the biggest stars in U.S. boxing. He is not acting like the biggest star in U.S. boxing. And yes, there is a difference. Deontay Wilder is the best American heavyweight in the world. And really, in any matchup, he should be competitive. That right hand should keep him in any fight. And he's long enough that he can keep people at a distance. So he shouldn't take a beating. Knowing that, he should be the American hero. He, every American boxing fan... Man, woman, child, adult, it does not matter. His goal should be to get them in his corner. 
And as of now, I think he's neglecting a large portion of this American population that wants to tune into boxing, but they don't want to tune into a guy talking about killing a man. For the, for the niche sport fans, for the niche boxing enthusiasts, addicts, of course they're going to tune in. But if you want mainstream popularity, and you want women and kids to look up to you, then you can't be saying stuff like that. And I think he's downplaying himself. He's downgrading his own status as an elite level superstar in the athletics world. He eliminates himself from that kind of status. So he, he wins in impressive fashion, and now I've asked this question so many times, but what do we do here? What does the heavyweight division do? Joshua's got to fight in New York against some schmuck. Fury's got to fight against some schmuck. And you can only hope that Fury Wilder go at it at the end of 2019. And then perhaps the winner of that fight gets Joshua by the end of 2020. If you think that they're fighting in early 2020, you're crazy. Hopefully, best case scenario is that Wilder and Fury fight at the end of 2019. And then at the end of 2020, with a fight in between the rematch, that the winner of that fight can take on Joshua. But the question is, where is it done? Is it done in the UK? Is it done in Vegas? Is it done in New York? Is this the kind of fight that could only be done perhaps in a place like Japan? Of course, the concern with Japan is the time zone difference. It's hard for Americans to tune in when a fight's going on in Japan with a radical time change. So what's the next step? Well, regardless of what is the next step, because I don't know, a man much smarter, much more powerful than me will have to make that decision. But I really hope Wilder tries to adhere to a larger, broader, more common man audience. He might even be better than he thinks he is. I hope he realizes it by the time that he takes on the other two boys from the UK. It is Wednesday, June 5th, around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I am in my apartment, and then we got some stuff to talk about here. So I recorded this podcast, and that was about a week and a half ago. I talked about Deontay Wilder, his matchup against Dominic Brazil, and one of just the hardest knockout punches I've seen in heavyweight boxing in a long time. I don't remember the details, actually, of what I was saying in that podcast, but I do recall saying that this was one of the peak moments for Deontay Wilder. The last six months from going 12 rounds in a great decision and dropping uh, in a great draw, dropping Tyson Fury, to then following up that match with a one-punch knockout. In that same realm of thought, I had 
Anthony Joshua on the decline. He's not fighting the same level of guys. He gets protected. He only fights in the UK. Blah, 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 blah. I don't love Eddie Hearn, who is his promoter. I think he's protecting Anthony Joshua a little bit. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Why am I recording? Why am I adding on to a podcast that I had already done? Well, last Saturday, Anthony Joshua was set to defend his four heavyweight titles against a guy from San Diego, California, just outside of San Diego, a place called Imperial Valley. So, the two are set to square off in Madison Square Garden in the world's most famous arena in New York City. This is going to be Anthony Joshua's debut, his, his welcoming to America. Now, if you look at the two prior to the fight, I mean, Anthony Joshua is... A Greek god. You could not sculpt a better looking athlete. And then you have Andy Ruiz Jr. And I I'm not gonna say that he's out of shape. You know, he just has the extra pounds. I mean, what what do you what do you want him to do? He's a heavyweight. Plenty of these guys do. But do not confuse fitness and fatness. Do not confuse those two because boxing is the best way, uh, combat sports is the best way to find out which you have. So Andrew Ruiz Jr., big boy, Mexican blood, that Mexican style from San Diego. It's time we start to recognize San Diego as, as one of the true hubs of not only boxing, but of the fight game in general. Canelo Alvarez trains there. Ryan Garcia trains in San Diego. Ruiz now. Dominic Cruz from the UFC. This is, San Diego has truly become a hub for training in combat sports. So everyone's talking about Andy Ruiz Jr. And well, why? Because in the seventh round in his matchup against Anthony Joshua, where he's an 11 to 1 underdog, no one suspects him to be able to do anything. But in the seventh round, he drops Joshua multiple times. In the third round, he drops Joshua multiple times. And the ref has no choice but to stop the fight. So Andy Ruiz Jr. is your new multiple belt holder in the heavyweight division. He's the first ever Mexican heavyweight champion in the history of boxing. So people talk about this Mexican style in boxing, right? You hear it all the time. It's a historic concept. You keep walking forward. You get hit, you keep walking forward, and you just stock your opponent down. Mexicans in the past who have not shown that style of fighting, Canelo at times, is criticized. They're criticized for not embracing that style. Ones that do are worshipped 
But very rarely do you find them as champions because that style of fighting just isn't necessarily the greatest recipe for success. And even more so in the heavyweight division, when guys are 220 pounds, 230, 240, and they're 6'3", 6'4", one punch can change the fight. That's what makes heavyweight boxing as entertaining as any form of competition in the entire world. That no matter what happens, when you get two people who are just massive human beings, it can all change with one punch. And in that Mexican style of fighting, you risk eating one of those punches. So in the third round, Anthony Joshua, who seems to be in control of the fight, keeping Ruiz at a distance, doing everything he should as the longer, taller, bigger man. Joshua clips Ruiz in the third round with a left hook, who I think might be one of his best punches. Ruiz got clipped. You can see it. He sits on the ground, and he goes, okay, okay, and he's kind of processing what just happened. He's processing the punch, the power. Am I re recovering right now? And he goes, okay, I respect Joshua's power. You can see this all in his eyes. You can see all of this in his eyes. He says, I respect Joshua's power, but now I know what he's got. And it hurts. I can't eat many of them, but I'm in this thing. And there was a moment in his eyes where he recognized and respected the power of AJ, but he knew he could eat two or three before he was finished. So I texted my dad about a week before the fight, and this is worth mentioning, you know, as I always do, just bouncing ideas, thoughts regarding a, an upcoming fight. I sent him over a photo that Anthony Joshua posted to his Instagram, where, like I described him previously, he just looks like a Greek god. His neck's huge, just shredded to the gills, muscular, everything. He was in awe, like myself, but right away, right away, without a moment of hesitation, he goes, quote, remember though, you can't train a chin, question mark, question mark, question mark. Wow. My, my pops has been around the fight game for... I mean, almost as long as anyone now. He's, he's seen them come and go. He's seen the rise that stay, the stars that rise, the stars that stay. I thought this was pretty interesting for Max Kellerman, who I don't always necessarily agree with what he says, but from time to time I do think he provides some decent analysis for the fight game. He said it correct. Joshua is an athlete who boxes. And Ruiz is a guy who's been boxing since a kid. He has that muscle memory on, on repeat, on lockdown, and he has the heart of a champion. So I, I, I think there's some truth to what he's saying here. Um, but I don't know if I com uh, agree with it wholeheartedly. And where, where I differ from Max Kellerman's standpoint on that Joshua's an athlete, not a boxer, Anthony Joshua... Looks like a boxer when he's throwing punches. When he is stalking down his opponent, when he's in the ring, he looks fine. When he looks like an athlete is when he gets hit. At 6'5", at however many pounds he is, Anthony Joshua, 
He got clipped by Ruiz in that third round. And it's right behind the ear. And, and that spot for boxing, or for people that don't know, the spot behind the ear is where your equilibrium gets affected. So Joshua eats this punch from Ruiz right behind the ear. And they, they say that it might be, behind the ear could be more damaging than the chin, than the nose, than a body shot. Because the shot behind the ear messes you up for the, the remainder of the fight. And that's exactly what happened with Joshua. So the rematch is already booked. Ruiz dropped Joshua two more times in the third round. He, he goes on to win in the seventh. Joshua looked gassed. He never had his legs underneath him from the moment he took that first shot in the third round. Did not have his legs underneath him at any point. So the rematch is booked for, and knowing boxing like I think I do, I suspect that this rematch is going to be in England. I suspect that Eddie Hearn, the promoter for Anthony Joshua, and Anthony Joshua will try to make this a 12-round fight and win a decision. Therefore, if the fight is 50-50 and it goes to, a, goes to the judges' scorecard, I mean, we know boxing. It's going to go to Joshua. He's the most marketable man boxing could ever ask for. Well-spoken, you know, good-looking, remarkable athlete, great for sponsorships, whether it's Under Armour, Beats Headphones. He is, he is perfect. I, I want to give some credit to Anthony Joshua. Because on, on what could be one of the worst nights of your professional career, and not that that's, I, I think a lot of times professional athletes, that's one thing they do pretty well, is they're able to kind of separate personal life from professional life. You heard LeBron say it, you heard Giannis say it, you heard Kawhi say it, honestly. And, and over the course of these playoffs, they talk about, you know, if you have a bad game, oh, how much does this, does this suck, blah, 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 you know, are you heartbroken? And most of these guys say, you know, no, like, I don't like playing bad. I'm going to do everything in my power to get better. But I'm providing more than I could have ever dreamed and hoped for through sport. I'm able to put brothers and sisters through private education, through college. I'm able to provide homes, food for family and friends. And Anthony Joshua is no exception here. Anthony Joshua, after the fight, he has, a, he has a really, really insightful YouTube channel that I recommend looking at, and especially this video more than anything. But he says, the loss from my perspective. And Anthony Joshua talks about, he talks about how he's going to remain loyal. He trusts his training partners. He trusts his training staff. He trusts his promoter, his family, his friends. He says, nothing really changes from here. I'm going to try and just get better. That's all I can really do. And he said, I have to take this loss like a man. There's no excuses. There's no bad food that I ate. There's no injury. There's no poor training. Ruiz was the better man that night. And that's the truth. Ruiz was the better man. You know, when you want to talk about the underdog Rocky story, and even if Ruiz had lost, maybe to drop Joshua twice in the third round and walk away with a $7 million payday, 
Even if he had lost, even if he gets demolished, demolished in this rematch, he did it. Yo, Adrian, he did it. He's able to provide for his family, and that is the reason you enter the fight game. It's the reason you stay in the fight game. It's the reason you suffer the hours and hours of training, the injuries, the shots to the head and the body. You know, you're risking your life by doing this. But it's all for that one end goal, and it's to provide. So Joshua says all the right things after the fight. I've got all the respect in the world for it. I have, without a doubt in my mind, that his, his staff wants this rematch to be in the UK. If they decide to hold the rematch elsewhere in the United States, Vegas, New York, he's never fought in Vegas, I think that would be a, a great way to do it. I would imagine a lot of Mexicanos would make their way up to Las Vegas for that one. So let's, let's look at the big three here in the heavyweight division now. And like I said, I talked about Wilder a week and a half ago. I don't remember the details of what I said, but I remember saying that he is on his way to being a true superstar. I think it will be a very interesting podcast comparing what I said a week and a half ago to what I'm saying right now. So you've got the big three. After what I saw this weekend with Joshua, I think Tyson Fury would pick Joshua apart. Joshua would be tired He'd be beat up. He'd get frustrated after rounds and rounds of the head movement of Tyson Fury and just getting peppered, jab, 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 hook, body, jab. Head movement, slip, slip, duck, under. That's what Tyson Fury will (laughs) drive a man insane. So people are talking about the Wilder Joshua fight because now, oh, it's ruined. Oh, no, they ruined it. How long did, did Eddie Hearn and... And that promotion team think they could hide Joshua from the big dogs. And I think there's some truth to that, right? They're, they're, that's probably fair. You don't get to do the uh, the undefeated versus undefeated. One must go. And it's decided this Saturday night in Las Vegas. And you don't get that anymore, which is a bummer. But in terms of a boxing match, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm blinded by the the marketing and promotion that they're able to do on Anthony Joshua. I think Wilder Joshua could be very fun, very entertaining. You know, the draw and the hype is diminished slightly, but this is going to be, at some point, these two got to go at it. And these are two Goliaths that just want to trade and exchange in the center of the ring. So, the dynamic of the boxing heavyweight division has been completely changed. We got a, we got a new boy. We got a new sheriff in town. And I'm starting, for a while it was this big three, right? We knew, we knew Joshua was the up-and-comer. We knew Wilder was the bomber from Bama, the Alabama slammer, and we knew that Fury was the crafty vet. On the outside of those three, You have Luis Ortiz, Luis King Kong Ortiz. Big, big, lefty Cuban. So he's going to take on Wilder. The two have fought previously, and it was actually a very, very good fight. It was a very good fight, and there was a moment actually where Ortiz does clip Wilder. It's probably one of the few times we've seen Wilder, I I don't want to say shaken up, but definitely affected 
by the punch that Ortiz threw. So those two are going to go back at it. You've got Dylan White, who want, who's biting, you know, biting at the ankles of these guys. And then now, the, the new boy, the new blood, the Mexicano, Andy Ruiz Jr., the San Diegan. San Diego, it's time to stand up. You know, you may not have uh, an NBA team. An NFL team might be gone. But open your eyes. We've got, uh, we've got some of the best boxing talent in the world training in your hometown. It's, it's about time you recognize it. Well, I guess there's only uh, one more thing to do. And, well, let's go home, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go home!